Welcome to episode 577 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Richard, it's good to have you back two weeks in a row. I guess it's actually three weeks in a row, right? Because oh, right. yes, episode. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yes, this might be a record for this year, sadly. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, but uh, we've got a an interesting show tonight. A featured story from the gaming category, which I'm sure you're thrilled about. Uh, but there's probably some stuff in there for you to to comment on richard also a really great and rather lengthy email from a regular listener and longtime listener tim so we're going to jump right into that he sent this into us at our email address entertainment20 at the digital media zone.com and like i said it, it's rather lengthy i'm going to summarize a little bit of the the beginning stuff here for all of you but try to keep as many of the relevant details as possible so we're talking about a living room tv here uh living room setup it's not a massive home theater he's got a a 6 year old 65 inch 1080p led tv in his living room so that's kind of important and he had a home theater system in there but it went out and he also had an Xbox One X in there that he jokes was he was one of the 10 or so people in the U.S. that where he actually ran his cable box through his Xbox One X and has still been doing that up until recently. Like, I I don't know that I know of anybody else who who stuck with it for that long, but his family did using the Xbox for streaming apps plus as the the way of getting to uh their their cable TV interface. But like I said, the the receiver started having issues, the right channel went out, which is nuts. Like you got you got to get rid of that right away. And he's replacing that with a Sonos arc because he's heavily invested in Sonos. He's got Sonos stuff all around his house. So out goes the discrete speakers and and the receiver and all of that. And in comes the Sonos Arc. He's also taking this as an opportunity to get rid of the Xbox because they have had some issues with it. So the cable is going to be going straight into the TV also. Now, here's where where we start to pick things up. So uh, basically, he has also had a very old Apple TV hooked up, but he's primarily only used that for his his personal movie collection or personal media collection, plus a few movies and stuff that he's purchased through iTunes. But the rest of his content is stored on a NAS uh, using uh, an iTunes library. So he's using iTunes through his Apple TV to get all of his content that's on that NAS. Well, the NAS is also out of warranty and is no longer going to be getting support soon. So he's trying to figure out really a couple of things. Uh, so uh, in fact, I'll just read this, this last paragraph here. He says, so since the cable TV signal will no longer be running through the Xbox One, I'm planning to transition to another device for watching streaming apps. My Apple TV is quite old and due for replacement, but should I replace it with a new Apple TV or a Roku? The obvious benefit of sticking with Apple TV is that our local media is stored on an iTunes library. We're also an iOS household. The wrinkle is that I've been notified that our NAS has reached end of life and needs to be replaced within the next few months. Since I have to redo things anyway, I'm considering transitioning my video library from iTunes to Plex. I really don't have that much content that was purchased through iTunes, so DRM is not that big of an issue for me. And apart from the significant cost difference, the benefit of switching to Roku is that the, that ecosystem is familiar as we have two Roku TVs in our house. I believe the Roku remote is also superior to the Apple TV remote. He says, I'd love to get your advice on this. And if you have the time, I'd also love your input on using iTunes versus Plex for my video library. So 
Richard, I think the video library aspect of this is kind of a big deal. So why don't we start there? And I kind of want to start with you and your opinion on this, because I don't have any experience using iTunes as a media library. Yeah, I did that long, long ago. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not straightforward. I think you kind of have to go through some hoops to do that anymore. And he has two things that he's accessing through that, his own content, and then the content that he's purchased. Now, he mentioned that he doesn't have a lot that he had purchased through iTunes, but I'm hoping that he was listening to us years ago when we were talking about tying your iTunes library to Ultraviolet and to Movies Anywhere. Maybe it never did connect with Ultraviolet. I don't remember. But Movies Anywhere certainly does, and Disney Movies Anywhere did. And hopefully those have brought some of the titles, if not all of them, into other ecosystems. So he'd be able to stream them from pretty much anywhere. And I mention that because where this is taking me is that if you already have Roku and the people in your home are familiar with that platform, I I just kind of want to cut to the chase and say, move to Roku and start thinking about Plex. Because Plex is easy enough to set up if you have the content already on a NAS. And if you can stream those movies from other apps or other uh, services, you'd get everything that you want on Roku. That is not where I thought you would be going with this. Right? It's not where I thought I would be going with this until he said, we already understand that ecosystem. We already have that in our home. So why mix it up? Why add to that? Now, granted, if you're an iOS household, that's great. I guess one thing I might consider is that if you're an iOS household and a HomeKit household, and maybe you have a device that allows you to um, get video from your doorbell, and it just so happens to be HomeKit compatible, then maybe I'd think about Apple TV, because then you get the added benefit of like tying that into your television and stuff like that. But if that's not the case, and this is really just for content, there's so many ways to get content. And it's not hard to set up Lex. You are going to need a box to put it on somewhere. Mm-hmm. but you already know that you're going to need to replace your NAS. So look at a Synology or something like that. There's there's plenty of devices out there these days that are powerful enough to operate as a Plex server. So what about AirPlay? They're an iOS family, and his, his TV is six years old. So we can't, we can't really expect him to use apps on the TV and there's no way his TV supports AirPlay either. So there's two potential solutions. I know there are third-party apps that allow AirPlay on other devices. It's hacky. Sometimes it doesn't work all that cleanly, but I've done it on devices on my own. That might be one way to do that if you care about that. But that's the other thing. Do you care about casting to your television? I didn't. Maybe I missed it, but in my read through here and your discussion of this, I didn't catch anything where we're like, oh, and we got to have AirPlay. No, you're right. He didn't mention mention AirPlay. I did. Yeah. If you're not doing that, then I, I wouldn't just throw that into the mix if that's not important to you. And for audio, you'll have the ability to AirPlay to your Sonos devices. It's probably more likely that people might want to AirPlay audio than video, depending, again, depending on how your household uses television, but it doesn't sound like casting was part of the mix. What about photos? What about photos? I I, I think that's one scenario where I use a casting technology is when I want to show photos to multiple people from my device, I just cast them through the TV. So the Roku app, I believe, it used to anyway, I don't know if it still does, but the Roku app used to allow you to see the photos in your photo library on your device and then help you show those up on a Roku device. So if that's still something that's possible, 
he could use that as a way of doing that. Again, that's not something that he talked about, but that's a legit use case. Yep. Well, a, a lot of times uh, people forget about some of their use cases. So I just want to throw some of the more common use cases out there to, to, sure. to make sure we, we're covering all of our bases. Sure. Because if you're going to ask me I'm... about podcasts, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, podcasts are largely audio. So the Sonos kind of handles that already. But I, yeah, when, when I saw that they were an iOS family and they've already used Apple TV and they've, He's already set up an iTunes library. I thought, yeah, I, I know the remote's not the greatest, but just get another Apple TV, dude. Like, I'm the one who was ready to, to recommend Apple TV, and now you're the one recommending Rogue. I don't know what's happening in 2022, Richard. I, I tend to think that if you have an ecosystem that your family is comfortable with, you should stick with that. Now, for sure. The fact that they have Roku TVs and people who know how to use them strikes me as more important than the fact that they have an old Apple TV that, I mean, we don't know how old it is. We don't know. Is it, is it like generation three old or is it the thicker version? We don't know the answer to that. If it's the thicker version, it's newer. So the interface hasn't changed substantially, but if it's way old, then the experience is pretty different now. Mm. So yeah, I, I'm sticking with the Roku. I can't believe I'm recommending this, but I'm <laughs> I'm I'm sticking with my recommendation to go with the Roku. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I I don't I don't think that either option is bad here, and I don't think you're you're going to be tying yourself to to one platform or the other, right? Cuz you need the Synology, you need some form of NAS either way to hold your your personal media collection. So, get yourself a Synology or whatever like like Richard said. Throw Plex on there. It doesn't cost you anything to do it. You're clearly going to be able to do this yourself. The NAS will probably also support running as an iTunes library. So that option is still going to be available to you, I imagine. And start with the Roku. It's cheaper. If they hate it, at least you're not out as much money when you go to switch to an Apple TV. And even if you do switch to the Apple TV, there's a Plex app there. So Both options allow you, like, you can't really lose here. So I I guess I'll go with Richard here and, and recommend, yeah, go with the Roku. Who would frankly, have thought? The, the remote might be reason enough, right? <laughs> that Apple TV remote is so terrible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, but if you buy one today, it comes with the newer remote that has a touch-sensitive uh, D-pad. So it is a far, far better experience now. I don't have the problem with the new remote that I did with the last generation remote. It's much, much better now. I, I forgot that they put out a, a much better remote. And and John B in the chat, if if you don't know, we, we record the show live on Twitch. Uh, and, and we love being able to get help from our listeners in the live chat room. John B says, uh, if you're buying a new NAS and you're planning to use it as a Plex server, don't cheap out on on the specs for that because Plex likes to transcode and stuff like that so that you can view your content on anything and that requires some horsepower. So so get one that that's relatively powerful uh to to be able, and and we mean in in CPU capacity really here. Yeah. So because that that's where the hit is when it comes to transcoding and stuff. And they used to have i don't i'm i can't imagine that they don't still they used to have a calculator on the plex support site where you could maybe it wasn't a calculator but basically a formula that you could use so that you're looking for the benchmark score to find out how many whatever's in the benchmark you need to be able to stream each 4k stream so if you want two streams you want like twice that number and then you go to the CPU benchmark site and find out what the processor in that box is capable of. Right. Right. Okay. Well, good luck, Tim. Let us know what you ended up going with and how it works out for you. And with that, we're going to move on to our news and the big news this week. I was absolutely floored by this news. The entire gaming community was floored by this news Tuesday morning. 
And frankly, it, it, if you talk to people who are really into the gaming community, people are talking about this, like they're, they're saying things like, I will always remember where I was when I heard this news. Like Whoa. that's how big of a story this is. <laughs> like, it's, it's a pretty big deal. So what is that news? Microsoft surprised everyone and announced that they are buying Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. Yeah, that's the thing that caught my attention. Yeah. Wow. I can't think of another acquisition in any industry that was this big. Neither can I. I mean, this is <laughs> this is so, so large. Yeah. Yeah, like when when I was telling my my wife about this, who just has to patiently listen to me tell her gaming news, uh, I I said, you know, there are so many people who who look at video games still and think, eh, that couldn't be a very big industry. Like it's just for kids and stuff. Oh no, the the video game industry is bigger than television, movies, and music combined. It's enormous. So. When you put it in that perspective, it's not as surprising, but still, it is purchasing one company for $68 billion. It's great. Absolutely crazy. So if if you're like, all right, Activision Blizzard, what are their games? Have I even heard of any of these games? Even if you're not a gamer, you've heard of most of these games. Call of Duty, Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, Starcraft. Oh, and Activision Blizzard owns King, which you might not know that name. But I if do. You've played any mobile games like Candy, Candy Crush, Crush. They also own that. All of that, assuming this deal goes through, will be owned by Microsoft slash Xbox. It's it's just mind blowing. Like I'm still kind of staggering from this news, and I've had almost two days to to mull it over. It's just that crazy. So of course this means that if all of this goes through, lots and lots of these games are going to be coming to Game Pass. That's awesome news. We love that. Absolutely love that. But there's still some big questions. Like what is this? And and one of these questions is the big question that we ask every single time Microsoft buys one of these big third-party studios is, are they going to make everything in Xbox exclusive? And primarily here, we're really talking about Call of Duty because Warcraft is a PC-only game. Overwatch, we're, we've been waiting years for the next one, but it will eventually come to consoles and stuff like that. But Call of Duty is the number one selling game every single year. Every single year. In fact, in 2021, there were two Call of Duty games that were ranked number one and number two <laughs> in video game sales because the previous year's Call of Duty was number two after uh, the, the the current years. It's that big of, of a seller. So what are they going to do? Are they going to make Call of Duty an Xbox console exclusive. And and they're still going to leave it on PC, right? Because that's what Microsoft has been doing. Microsoft also owns Windows. So they're keeping all of these games on PC also. But when it comes to consoles, most of these games, they're making Xbox console exclusives. So a lot of like the, the, the industry is kind of split on, on what they think is going to happen. I'm in the camp that I think they're going to keep Warzone a multiplayer game, which is uh, Warzone is their free-to-play battle royale game that came out in the craze of Fortnite and PUBG and all of that. It makes money hand over fist for Activision, as all of these really popular battle royale games do. I think that's going to stay free-to-play and cross-platform. But the main Call of Duties, I think they go Xbox exclusive. With one potential caveat. But the reason I think they go Xbox exclusive is if you're going to spend $70 billion buying a studio, I think you want to use that money to have an advantage over your competitors, right? Like, why do you want to let Sony have access to Call of Duty? And of course, the answer is because all of those PlayStation people are buying copies of your game right. and that's putting money in your bank account. But that's not how this works. And Call of Duty is 
such a big seller that it if it goes Xbox exclusive, it will cause people and lots of them to buy Xboxes. Well, assuming that they can find them to buy, right? It it just will. The 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 really loyal hardcore Call of Duty fans in the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 t- uh generation, they were mostly playing on Xbox because Microsoft had some exclusivity deals around uh getting DLC sooner and things like that. And then in the Xbox One PlayStation 4 generation, that switched to to Sony and it's continued into the into this current generation. So more people, more of the hardcore Call of Duty fans have been on Sony. But if all of that goes away, they're still going to want their Call of Duty every single year. And they'll buy an Xbox to do it. The vast majority of them will buy an Xbox to do it. So why wouldn't Microsoft do this? I, I, I mean, it all comes down to the math, right? If they really think that they're not going to get enough people to switch over and they're actually going to make more money by selling it on PlayStation, then maybe they'll consider it. Or maybe they'll say, no, I don't care if this makes us less money. It's still better for us to have this be a console exclusive. You got any opinions on that, Richard, from kind of a business perspective? I know you don't give a crap about the game, but... No, but I I dislike exclusive titles. I've, I've never liked this in any content. I don't think it's good for consumers. Right. Sure. It's great for Microsoft. It costs consumers another four or $500 potentially. Right. Which is kind of ridiculous. I am I'm I'm baffled by how and I, I this isn't an original thought. There have been many pundits discussing this and some friends of mine on Slack have been talking about this. This is the company that got in trouble for bundling a browser, right? Who who got taken to court and ultimately ended up having to do some ridiculous gyrations because they they lost a case on an antitrust issue in or a, a, a anti-competitive issue with their browser. And yet, apparently, they are doing their best to own all the games. Now, obviously, they don't own all the games, but they've kind of been on something of a trend or a campaign or whatever you want to call it over the last decade, buying up all of these game houses and bringing in-house some of these big, huge titles that people love. And for the most part, I think they've been reasonable stewards of most of those brands. But do you think there's any blowback from this? I mean, you kept on saying every time you talked about, you didn't say when this happens, you says if this happens. And so I I wonder if this might finally get some some scrutiny particularly as we have a <laughs> a justice department even that isn't all so keen on big tech companies right now so i i did keep saying if instead of when you're right and and that was really just more from the like responsible reporting perspective like nothing is guaranteed it might right. not happen i 100% think this will happen 100% for two reasons. Like, I, I do think you're right that it will get some extra scrutiny, right. but I think that's about all it's going to get. And for two big reasons. One, it isn't a monopoly. Like, there is no possible way that anyone could call this a monopoly or right. even really treading on monopolistic behavior. The fact of the matter is, there's still tons of game studios out there. Sony is going out and doing the same thing. They're buying lots and lots of studios themselves. This isn't just Microsoft doing it. And it's not like having your enemy do the same. If you view it as bad behavior, the same bad behavior justifies it. I'm not saying that two wrongs don't make it right. Blah, 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 blah. I agree. But this isn't a monopoly. Like you, even if this happens, even if Microsoft were to go out and buy take two interactive and, and have, Rockstar games and all of these other things. And I, hell, I think even if they went out and bought EA, like you still couldn't call them a, a monopoly. There's just so much stuff out there 
that I don't think you can call this a monopoly in the actual definition of what a monopoly is. The other reason I don't think that they're really going to have a problem getting this to happen is, yeah, the the Justice Department and or at least our our media says the Justice Department is getting is going to be taking a closer look at big tech companies. What what has any of our our government regulators done with regard to this sort of regulation in the last 10 years that gives you any indication that they might actually do something here? That's a fair point. What deals have they shut down that would make you think they're going to stop this one? I can't think of any. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. There's there's far more stuff that's that's getting a lot closer to the idea of, of monopolistic behavior, I think, in other industries than we have here. Yeah. So I think the I, closest thing that we can look at is the, the Sprint and T-Mobile fiasco. Which happened. <laughs> like, that went through. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I do think this is, this is a win, not an if. The, the win, even Microsoft is being cautious about this. They're saying we expect this to be finalized in our fiscal 2023 which means summer of 2023, uh, you know, between this summer and next summer, because they think it will take get some extra scrutiny and all of that. But I think they expect this to happen also. So the other really big question, and, and this is the kind of the bigger deal to me, is what about Activision Blizzard's leadership and primarily- <laughs> The jerk in charge. Exactly. The jerk in charge. And jerk is being really, really friendly. Uh, Bobby Kotick <laughs> is is currently the CEO of Activision Blizzard. He is basically viewed as like the devil of the video game industry. The dude just makes mountains of cash while regularly laying off, you know, huge teams of people and stuff like that. Like there was all of that going on for years. And then over the last year, we got wind of of all of these sexual harassment allegations and all of that stuff yeah this is the company that microsoft just bought that one that we've been talking about having all of the sexual harassment claims yeah it's this company and frankly i think that's kind of a good thing because i expect microsoft to be a far better steward of this company than bobby kodak has been and when this deal was first announced the the microsoft uh, Xbox Wire blog post said Bobby Kotick is staying on as CEO, but it was kind of vague. I read it as Bobby Kotick is staying on as CEO while it's still a separate company, but there is absolutely no reason for this guy to stay on once this deal closes. And now that's what the Wall Street Journal is reporting too, that, that once this deal closes, he's gone. Because it's not like, where is he going to go? He's Phil Spencer is the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, which is also kind of a new announcement. They're they're making it a separate division called Microsoft Gaming now, which is kind of weird, but whatever. And and Phil Spencer reports directly to Satya Nadella. Now, if you're CEO of a company that just got bought for $68, $69 billion, like you don't want to be third in line at a company, <laughs> right? Third in line at a company that you have zero hope of ever becoming CEO of. So why would he stick around? And I think that's fantastic news because the people who work at Activision Blizzard deserve so much better. And for all of the talk about Call of Duty and exclusivity and all of that other crap, none of that matters compared to the lives of all of these people who are dealing with everything they've had to deal with while working at Activision Blizzard. So frankly, that's the thing I'm most excited about. These people have a far better opportunity to have a much better work environment uh, if they're part of the Microsoft family. So I'm thrilled about this news across. Well, I'm partly thrilled. Like I'm mostly thrilled because like you, I, I agree that, and we've, we've both said it lots of times on the show before exclusivity for games is never good for the consumer. Like this works for me because I'm an Xbox guy, but I'm also the one who's regularly thinking, well, I'm going to have to buy a PlayStation eventually because I'd really like to play Final Fantasy 7 Remake and the next one is also going to be 
a PlayStation exclusive and there's other third party games that are going to be PlayStation exclusive. So I guess I'm just going to have to buy one. <sighs> so uh, I, I don't like that aspect of this, but I will benefit because I'm an Xbox guy. And one, one last really interesting tidbit on this uh, re- reporting today, Sony, Sony's stock dropped 13% today. It is their biggest drop since the global recession of 2008. That's insane. Like, I don't like that to me sounds like investors going, oh, God, Sony's dead. We're doomed. And I think that's kind of overreacting, folks. But uh, please don't take this as stock buying advice. I'm not a professional. You should talk to a professional for that sort of stuff. Meanwhile, of course, Blizzard's stock went up something like 20 to 25 percent which is not that surprising either when an acquisition is announced speaking of sony let's just speculate for a minute any chance their volley back might be a bid for ea that's that's the only thing that could be comparable i mean ubisoft would also be a big deal but i think ea would be even bigger man I I don't know. I, I don't know that they can. Now, it's it's possible. Like Sony does have a lot of money. And and Sony Sony was making more money than Xbox prior to this deal. But Xbox isn't just Xbox. It's also Microsoft. And Microsoft has boatloads of money. <laughs> I don't know how that compares to Sony. So I don't know right. if Sony has the ability to go out and buy EA. That oh, man, that that would that would be bigger than this, I think. I I don't know if it would cost more, but I think the industry impact would be bigger and I would be very frustrated because then I would have to buy a PlayStation so that I could play NHL because EA owns all of the major gaming or sports game so, ooh, that would be bananas. That would hmm. be bananas. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure you're itching to get away from the gaming news. So let's jump into some video news. First, a really quick one. NBC has the rights to the Super Bowl this year. I think they had it last year also. No. Yes. Fox had it two years ago. And they're not broadcasting in 4K. They're not streaming in 4K. You don't get the Super Bowl in 4K. In 2022. Yeah, Thanks, that's because all of their 4K cameras are in Japan. No. China. China. <laughs> right. China. Sorry. Wrong Olympics. That was the summer. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're actually the, I, I can't remember his name now, but the, but the, the guy who's going to be the, the primary broadcaster of the Super Bowl, he's also going to be doing the Olympics. So they are going to be flying him back to L.A., from Beijing, where he's been doing Olympics coverage to do the Super Bowl and then theoretically flying back. <laughs> so that's that's rough. It's a long flight, man. I am more concerned that it's very likely he's going to be doing that on a private plane. And the absurdity of that is just <laughs> beyond me. <laughs> well, maybe NBC's got enough money to buy EA. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're buying some carbon credits too. Okay, so let's uh talk about the Nvidia Shield because we talked last week about how the Nvidia Shield was getting an update to Android TV 11 and we were talking about how great it was that this is the oldest device that is still getting regular Android updates even the the 2015 Nvidia Shield TV is still getting Android TV updates. That's great news. It's not all great news it turns out. They have a couple of rather large bugs for th- that really impact anybody who is running a Plex server on their Nvidia Shield TV, which would be me, but I haven't found the time to update my Nvidia Shield TV yet, <laughs> and I'm really glad lucky that I for didn't. you. Yeah. 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 So with the new Android TV update, there's a new permissions model and all of that. So when you launch apps, you have to agree to some permissions. And 
Of course, when it comes to accessing files on your local storage, that requires permission. And when you do that, you get a few options when you launch the app. You get the option of allow it to access my files all the time, or allow it only while I'm using this app, or don't allow. Now, if I were doing this update and I launched Plex, I would say allow all the time, right? Why wouldn't you? Well, some people are doing allow only while using this app, which seems weird to me, but you know, you do you. Well, there's a bug in this update where if you click allow only while using this app, it acts exactly like you clicked do not allow. (laughs) And a Plex server that can't access your files is a worthless server that does nothing. So it shows you what you have. It just won't play them for you. It's a really nice directory. It might be, but there's also another bug where if you have told your Plex server to offload all of your metadata for that library to external storage, that's broken too. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so Google and NVIDIA, or yeah, and NVIDIA and Plex are aware of all of this. They're working on all of this, but it ain't fixed yet. So if you haven't upgraded your shield yet, don't. And if you really feel the need to anyway, which guys, we talked about this last week. It's not that big of an update. There is no reason to rush into this one. At least make sure you click the allow all the time option on any of your apps that ask for permission to access the file storage. You're going to have to do it because this isn't just Plex. Like if you're using VLC or MX player, imagine any of these apps that allow you to, to access ROMs and stuff like that. All of those need to be able to access storage. And if you click only while using this app, you are hosed until they fix this. So don't do that. Either don't upgrade or click allow all the time. Those are your only options here. For some people and for some of these apps, they have been able to uninstall and reinstall the app and that'll get the permissions window to pop back up. And then you can click the option of allow all the time. But again, in Plex, if you've offloaded that that metadata to external storage, I don't know that there's a fix for that issue. I'm baffled by a couple things. One thing that you said and one thing that it appears you can't do that you should be able to. Let's start with that. Why can't you go back into settings and adjust the permissions? Is that just something that's not exposed in the interface, so there's no way to change it once you do that initial installation. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I've I'm, I'm trying to think of all of the times that I've really messed with apps on my Nvidia Shield, and it doesn't give you all of the same things that like your Android phone does. You don't yeah. get like I don't think you even have the options of like going in and deleting the cache and stuff like that. Maybe it's there and it's just been forever since I've seen it, but I can't think of a way that you could go in there and modify the permissions that you've already chosen. Okay. Interesting. It seems like it should be there. Like that would be yeah. really, really nice. Yeah. And, and the thing that baffles me or confuses me a little bit about what you said is you do you, maybe this is again, you being more, permissive with applications, whereas I'm more restrictive. We've talked about this with regard to analytics. I do not check the box saying, yes, you're allowed to track my activities in your application. I don't let Microsoft do it. I don't let Apple do it. I don't let anyone do it if I have the option to opt out of it. I only allow apps to have access to data when I'm using them, unless it's something that I know might be able to provide provide me with some background notification mm-hmm. and i couldn't imagine a scenario for plex where it might do that so i would have been one of the people that checked that box so really i understand yes absolutely so but i understand plex, why but with plex i think well it, it's got to be able to do um library updates it's got to be able to access the files if i'm doing remote streaming from another device? Like, does that consider while I'm using the app? Is that a situation? I don't know. So I would rather just click 
all the time. Now I'm with you, especially on my phone, which has way more stuff on it than my, you know, streaming box that's hooked up to my TV. Right. But in in this case with Plex, yes, I have access to everything you need whenever you need it. For other apps, yeah, I don't see the reason why you need access to my files any other time, for sure. I'm right there with you. And and I want to make sure that our our listeners don't think that I'm saying, yeah, like let every company have access to all of your data whenever they want it to do whatever they want. With. Right, right. I'm not I, I quite didn't, that lax. I didn't mean to suggest that. But I think at the same time, people are starting to get a degree of um, exhaustion from that, too, because... Now, with the tightened privacy and security restrictions that a lot of OSs are putting in place, even on my Mac, when I load, say, like a Photos application of some sort, a third-party application, it asks me, can I have permission to your desktop? Can I have permission to your documents folder? Can I have permission to your remote disks? Can I have permission to your network? I have to say yes to all of those things. And so people get somewhat desensitized to that and either always check yes or get in the habit of just saying, no, screw it. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Like uh, permission, you know, get, get, getting tired of permissions and, and all of that stuff is, is absolutely uh, a reality for most people. I think I hope I don't know. Like, let's let's not kid ourselves. Most people are just clicking allow on everything, right? <laughs> Probably, but yeah. So, so there you go. We will we will uh, keep you posted on this. I have to imagine this impacts people who are running a channels server also on on your Nvidia Shield TV because you can run a channels DVR server on there too. Um, and also, uh, looking over at the chat, John B is saying that he did update his Shield TV, and actually the Channels app, uh, when he launched it after the update, said, you don't have enough storage anymore. And he deleted a bunch of apps thinking, well, I guess I must be low on storage. And then he rebooted, and then it went, oh, you're fine. Everything's good. Just reboot when this thing is done like that that should be uh probably normal behavior for, for most of these types of things if you see any issues after an update of anything reboot and see if that clears things up good advice yeah all right last video story and that is youtube tv is getting an update to their guide we talked about guides and configuration and configurability last week it's really important and youtube tv is getting a nice new one now so their live tv guide has had a lot of good customization already but they're adding a new option where you can sort the guide by your most watched channels and i think for a lot of people this is going to be a really good solution because while You've been able to sort alphabetically or reverse uh, alphabetically, uh, and you've even had the ability to remove channels and stuff like that and rearrange them manually. I might go to the effort of removing and rearranging all of that stuff. Richard might do that. Most people aren't going to do that. Most people like are like, yeah, cool. Like, just show me the ones that I actually watch. That's great. I think I might actually kind of dislike this a little bit because. Then it it changes the order again, and it's like, but I expected NBC Sports to be here, and now it's up here. And uh, I imagine my brain would eventually get used to it, but there would be a little while there where I would be annoyed. So I'm probably the edge case here. I I think most people, this is going to be the the best way to use the guide. Hmm. I don't like it. You don't like it either? Why, Why don't you like it? No. That same thing that you become accustomed to where stuff is, and if it moves around, then that can be confusing. And it may make sense to one person in the family, but maybe not to somebody else. And sure, maybe people bother switching profiles, but on a TV, that's less likely. And I just i i i don't do this with even my desktop, like on. On Apple or um, on Apple's desktop OS, you have the ability to have it organize your spaces by the one you use most recently. Like your different, it I forget what they they're called in Windows, but in their d- different desktops. Yeah, 
I don't want that. I don't want you. If, if I have them in an order, I have them in an order for a reason. I don't want you just like willy nilly moving them around and I have to figure out how many clicks to get to. No, I, I know how to get there. I don't want it moving stuff around. Control. It's all about control. It is. A, a I mentioned I'm a control freak, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the nice thing is you've got all of the options. So you you can do whatever you want here. This is definitely one of the most customizable guides uh, of of any of these live TV streaming services. So that is a nice thing to see. All right, last story. And it does take us back into the gaming space, but a, a rather small update for the time being, I think for most of our listeners here, Google TV ha- is now showing off what the Play Games app is going to look like for Windows PCs. So we had mentioned a few episodes ago, Google is planning to make it so that you can play Android games on a Windows PC. Just like a few months prior to that, Microsoft announced they're introducing a solution for this. So it's it's rolling out now, a very, very early beta of this. I'm going to crush your dreams right now if you're super excited to go get this. This is only available if you're in South Korea, Taiwan, or Hong Kong. I'm sure it'll eventually come to most of the rest of the world, but it isn't here yet. So there's a screenshot of what this whole experience looks like, or a whole bunch of screenshots uh, uh, linked in in the show notes over at 9to5google.com. But this looks like the Stadia web app. I mean, it's basically the Play Store. You know, what do you expect? It looks like an app store listing. And then you download the games and you launch them. The other important thing here, though, is what do you need in terms of hardware requirements to be able to play these games? This starts off starting to make sense, and then I think we get into some scary territory. So your computer has to have 8 gigs of RAM. Not a big deal. Most computers have 8 gigs of RAM nowadays. The CPU has to have 8 logical cores. You're probably good there, too. Pretty much any GPU from the last 7 or 8 years is going to work here. You don't have to try and rush out and get a, an RTX 2080 or you know 3080 Ti or anything insane like that. There are plenty of low-end GPUs or lower-end GPUs and Intel's Iris Xe graphics, which are on board with lots of new laptops and stuff, they're in the supported list. Probably not a big deal there. You have to be running as an admin account on your Windows PC. I don't love that. It's probably not super uncommon, though. It's probably not a big hurdle for most people. I think most people are doing this, even if you shouldn't be, uh, for security reasons. The one that I think is going to be the bigger issue for a lot of people is this is virtualization. This is running a virtual machine, which means you have to have hardware virtualization enabled. And that's super common for somebody like me who's a developer and I'm running Docker and Hyper-V and all of this other craziness on my machines. How many normal people who are just looking to play Candy Crush on their Windows PC know how to even enable hardware virtualization or if their computer even supports it? Not many. And while it sounds like I'm I'm ragging on Google here for, for this requirement, I'm 100% sure it's going to be the same situation for, for Microsoft's solution here. But I think that's going to be the biggest sticking point for a lot of people. I could be wrong. Maybe hardware virtualization is available on the vast majority of consumer PCs, and it's enabled by default on the vast majority of PCs. But I'm not sure. And if it's not, like, you're... <laughs> Your grandma who just wants to play Candy Crush on the laptop you got it for Christmas has no idea how to go into the BIOS to turn on hardware virtualization. I'm sure of that, right? So we'll see how well this this works out in the real world, but I, I think that could be a problem. I think the biggest thing that gets me is this needing a, an admin account. I mean, that's like a worse practice, right? It strikes me that if that's a requirement to run this, maybe to install and set it up, but if that's a requirement to run this, then as far as I'm concerned, Google has failed because most computers that I've set up for myself, and I might argue, now, granted, this may not be something that's going to hit home 
for hardcore gamers. But I might argue that people who are smart enough to be hardcore gamers and tinkering enough to be hardcore gamers also have different accounts set up and probably accounts that they would use regularly that aren't admin accounts. I would think unless they're, unless it's just a thing for games and I didn't know it, but I was not aware of that. And this strikes me as a bad idea. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. I, I, I would bet that a lot of the gamers out there are just running as admin accounts because it's just easier. <laughs> Don't do that. You shouldn't do that. You're right. You shouldn't. But I, I bet most people are because it, it just makes your life a lot easier. All right. Well, that does it for the news. Let's get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. In my home, the packing continues. And that means that the uh, the great sort and purge continues as I go through old stuff and try and decide what to keep and what to get rid of. And I have spent an enormous amount of time this past week going through old PCs. And many of those were these things that we used to talk about all the time, HT PCs. Do you remember those, Josh? You mean home theater PCs? Home theater PCs. Yes. I had several over the years. And of course, like any good geek, what do I do when I'm done with a PC? I put it down the basement with my other old PCs. <laughs> right. I moved old PCs when I moved this last year. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm betting that this is probably the third home for some of the PCs that I had. So, yeah, I um, finally went through them and tore them apart and took the old hard drives out and identified if there was anything interesting or worth keeping or worth drilling a hole through on those drives. And I haven't finished that process, so now I have a stack of drives that I need to go through or ultimately do something with. But the PCs themselves are gone, and I'm very, very happy about that. They are in the dumpster for 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 good. This includes some tablets. I have old tablets. Most of them are iPads. Most of them still actually function pretty well. All my old Windows tablets are crap. Yeah, but you bought crap Windows tablets. It's not like these are Surface Pros. The industry told us that this would work. Well. But it didn't. There's that. (laughs) Time after time after time. Lenovo tablets, Dell tablets, HP tablets. None of them really any good. Even some Microsoft tablets. I'm keeping the Microsoft one. But all Lenovo tablets that I really, really wish still worked that don't or that can't hold a charge. So I've been tearing those apart because I got to get rid of the batteries because I can't toss batteries in the dumpster. I don't know what to do with the batteries. I found the Mom Markets takes contained batteries, but not like interior batteries. I don't know what to do with those yet. Hmm. But um, yeah, so I've been doing all this stuff. And and one of the things that I found along the way was something that I still lament over, which is how Microsoft's tablet operating system, Windows 8, could have been amazing for tablets. It could have been so good for tablets. It wasn't there in its first release, but it could have been so good if Microsoft's go-to-market strategy of Having it replace your desktop for everyone wasn't so terrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so, we're getting some comments here in the chat. Uh, GP3, he still has his Surface RT. I've still got my Surface RT. And R- Richard, I think the the Microsoft tablet you're referring to is the Surface 3, right? Thir- yep, yep, yep. I did get rid of the dock. Dock is gone. I didn't need the dock, but I bought it because it was available through Woot for like I think it was $40 or something, and when right. it came out, it right. cost 200 for some unknown reason. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know, actually, uh, <laughs> I'm going to use this as an opportunity. I still have my Surface 3 and some keyboards and a dock. And I was actually just thinking the other day, I had to throw this stuff on eBay. I'm never going to use this. If any of our listeners uh, are interested in any of that, including my Surface RT, I don't need that anymore either. Let me know. Shoot me a message. All of the contact information is going to be at the end of the show. And we'll, we'll talk because I don't need this stuff. I don't know why I moved it. I do know why I moved found, it. Found my old Microsoft folding keyboard. I, I love this guy. That. See, folks, this is one yep. of the benefits of the, the live show. You got to yep. see this crazy folding Microsoft keyboard uh, that, that Richard just pulled out. It, it is on YouTube. Head on over to the YouTube feed. Uh, subscribe and check out Richard's folding Microsoft keyboard. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, the thing that amazes me is you move in a week and you're putting all of this effort into this stuff. For me, I would be so stressed out. I would, I would be saying, I don't have time to do all of this. We're just moving it. And I promise I'll deal with it after the move. And then I would never deal with it. It would still sit in the basement for the next 10 years. I'm trying to get as much done as I can. I am stressed out, but Edward's far more stressed out about <laughs> my lack of progress than I am right now. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, a uh, little bit of television, not a whole lot. A couple episodes of things. Watch the latest episode of The Amazing Race. We hit the point where they had to stop. So the next episode next week will be months later, I think over a year later, when they resume with a partial team because not everybody could come back. So, oh my gosh. I mean, you figure you take a leave of absence from your job to do something like that, right? Right, right. <laughs> so you can't just be like, oh, okay, I'm going to try that again. Yeah. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that off. I'm, I'm curious. I have been watching more of Discovery. Last couple of episodes were better. I think than the first few of the season. So I'm glad because I haven't been thrilled with this season. Watched the latest episodes of what I believe is the last season of This Is Us. And once again, I am led to believe that the next episode of New Amsterdam may be the last episode of New Amsterdam. I don't have any documentation anywhere telling me that, except for a description that talks about how the the team looks back at how the hospital has changed over the years and why would you do that if it weren't your last episode? So hopefully they're putting a, an end to this somewhat tortured last season, but I've always liked this show and it'll be a shame to see it go. Watch the latest episode of Ghosts. That's the CBS comedy that we've been watching together. It's kind of fun. And uh, we started watching the Harry Potter tribute on HBO I think we got about 10 minutes in and Edward's like, okay, I'm done. So I don't know if I'll watch any more of that or not. It was kind of, you know, sentimental. It was like the friends thing. They all get together and they look back at how fun or not it was at that time. We're not really that far away. It's 20 years, but it's 20 years since it started. It only finished like what, six or seven years ago. So it doesn't feel like it's Right, they made eight movies. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it doesn't feel like it's that long ago, but oh man, when they show them when they're kids and they're all like 12, it's just right. bizarre. So, <laughs> uh, and then uh, we ended up watching because we caught it live on one channel as we were just surfing the, uh, the movie Men in Black 3, which we just didn't really remember much at all. And it was fun. We enjoyed it. So I'm yay for random cable TV movie. <laughs> so that's us. <laughs> What's been going on in your entertainment center? So in, in the gaming department, it's more of the same Forza Horizon 5, some NHL, a little bit of Fantasian on my iPad. Uh, I did actually also check out um, Formula One 2020. It's whatever the most recent Formula One game is that's in Game Pass because the group of friends that I've been playing uh, Forza Horizon with, we're pretty much done with it. Like we've done most of the things that we're going to do at this point. And so I thought, what about a more realistic racing game? And so we're, we're thinking of checking that out. I like it. I don't know if the rest of my friends are going to like it, but we might check that out. Uh, so that's it on the gaming side. Now, 
Richard gets to see what I'm about to talk about. What he doesn't know is the things that I watched. This is a mess, guys. Sorry. Um, I watched about half of Encanto. I think that's how you pronounce it. The new this is a, it's a it's a Disney movie, right? It, it's on Disney Plus. Yep. That's how we watched it. it. Sounds like everybody else in the universe has already seen it. I've seen about half of it. I really liked what I watched. Uh, I think the rest of my family really enjoyed it. I just had to step away and go get some other stuff done. I do want to go back and finish it because I was really liking it. I, I thought it was really creative. Like the, uh, I mean, I actually said out loud at one point during the movie, like, how do they even come up with like just some of the random stuff? Like, I, I mean, like it, it's it's a movie about like a magical house and a bunch of the family have magical powers and all of that stuff, and. Like at, at one point, there's a bunch of people coming to the house and they go to throw their hats on a hat rack and the house just like the tiles on the wall just turn into hat rack tiles. Like it, I can't even describe it. Well, it's it's so cool and so creative. Um, the songs are mostly good. Uh, Anthony in the chat is 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 quoting. We don't talk about Bruno. That is the one that is constantly being sung around my house uh it is in the first half of the movie it's it's adorable it is one of those like if you let your kids watch this movie which you should because it's good they are going to sing it non-stop for the next year or are whatever. you sure so be prepared you should for that. let your kids watch this movie then i mean you remember it's, frozen right well exactly like it'll finally get them to stop singing frozen songs they'll sing Encanto songs so I don't know. At least it's something new for a little while. And maybe now that Baby Shark has hit 10 billion views on YouTube, they're not singing Baby Shark anymore. So may, I I don't know. But it it looks good. I, you know, the the Colombian aspect of it is cool. There's a lot of really good things here. I, I just need to watch the rest of it. And on a similar note, I saw some of In the Heights. Uh, this is... Uh, a another musical from Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy behind Hamilton. Uh, but this takes place, it at least partly takes place in New York City, like modern day New York City. Um, I think it eventually maybe switches to the Dominican Republic. I don't know, because I only watched about a half an hour of it uh, because I walked downstairs and my daughter was watching it. And so I sat down for a little while, but I did not have two hours to sit down and watch it. But it was good. The music was really good. Uh, it 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 just seems. I mean, maybe it's not quite Hamilton, but I was really enjoying it, and I definitely want to go back and watch In the Heights, which I think that's on HBO Max. Do you know? It is on HBO Max. I I tried to watch this twice, and I fell asleep both times. Now I generally really watch TV later at night. After Edward's gone to bed, particularly if it's a musical, because that's not something that he would be interested in watching. But I, it just didn't keep me interested twice. So wow. maybe I'll try again. I know I, I <laughs> this has been a, a struggling one for him, too, because he came off of Hamilton with such a high. And so expectations for this were insane. And it was supposed to have the benefit of opening in a theater and, you you know, a la West Side Story, seeing all these people dancing around on the big stage and the big screen. It didn't get that. Maybe it just doesn't translate well to the television. I don't know, but just isn't doing it for me. This is going to sound kind of weird, maybe. But for like the first 35 years of my life, like I just wasn't really into musicals and stuff. My family got more into them. My daughter loves them. Uh, and then, of course, Hamilton kind of, like, for a lot of people, I think, changed everything. Um, plus, my kid is just, like, literally in musicals, not just likes watching them. She is in musicals. And what I realized after I, I walked away from, from In the Heights is I really think that the thing that makes musicals so great is, it, at least for me personally, and this is the weird part, um, I think emotions come through better in song than they do when it's just spoken. And I, I, so that that's what I like about it. So maybe the story is not one like 
if this was just a movie, I don't know that I would go back and 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 watch it because it's not like the like it's not some big budget action film or anything like you know the crap that I normally talk about watching Fast and the Furious and stuff like that. Uh, it's a love story and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I don't normally watch that stuff, but as a musical, I do want to watch this, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Like ten years ago, I never ever would have said that. And now I really want to go back and finish this. Yeah, I I can see that. I, I absolutely believe that. I, I think of several scenes from movies that are just or from musicals rather that are so powerful because they're sung. And I just can't imagine that they would have the power that they did if it weren't put to song. Um probably the one that comes most to mind is Bring Him Home from Les Mis. I can't imagine that just as a scene. Right. Yeah, that's a really great example for sure. Okay. Well, uh, after we gave you a short episode last week, we have gone on for <laughs> much longer this week. And it's all my fault because of wanting to talk about Activision Blizzard. Sorry. Uh, but it it was just that cool. So if if you want to get a hold of us, we're available in a lot of different ways. Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. At Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigimediaZone to get us on Twitter. All the rest of the contact information is over at the website, thedigitalmediazone.com, where you're also going to be able to find the link to the YouTube video because we are posting these on YouTube now. We would love it if you would go over and subscribe to the YouTube channel, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube right now. So click subscribe and and ding the bell, ring the bell, whatever I'm supposed to say for the bell so that you get notifications when we post to YouTube. See, I'm not a very good YouTuber yet, Richard. <laughs> and you can, you can watch the videos over there. Um, and then come back when we do this show live. It's normally Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. I know it hasn't been the last couple of weeks, but it normally is follow us on Twitter or subscribe to us on Twitch to get notified when we're doing the live show so that you can be a part of the conversation and part of the show, not just part of the conversation. Uh, we, we love having you here and hopefully we will see you back next week because that's going to do it for episode 577. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.